Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways and we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, We will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem built as a city with compact unity. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May peace be within your walls, prosperity in your buildings. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will pray for your good. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you know the time. It is the hour now for you to awake from sleep. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is advanced. The day is at hand. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Show us, Lord, your love and grant us your salvation. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, not to let his house be broken into. So you too also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as signified by the songs and readings, as signified by the Advent purple color and the presence of the Advent wreath, which we will bless and light at the end of the general intercessions today, we have begun this new season, the season of the coming of Christ. The word Advent comes from Latin. It means coming to. The Lord is coming to us. He comes in so many different ways. Of course, Advent is a, a preparation for the celebration of Christmas, a four-week period of such preparation. And Christmas, of course, is the coming of Christ in our humanity. God, always existing, becomes human. And we celebrate that whole reality of the Incarnation, and specifically the historical event of His birth, but the Incarnation, the greater reality just of His becoming one of us, is celebrated at Christmas. But that is one form of His coming. He comes in creating us, first of all, because our very existence is a manifestation of His presence. He comes by His grace, coming to us on the wings of prayer and grace that He sends when we don't ask for it. He comes in His Word. He's been speaking from the beginning of creation and He speaks His Word through the prophets and He speaks His Word in the scriptures that we, that we read and proclaim. He comes in the Christian community. He said, where two or three are gathered in My name, there I am with them. He comes in His ordained ministers. He says, those who hear you hear Me. He told them when he sent them out to preach and when he told those apostles to forgive sins he says whose sins you forgive they are forgiven so he comes through his ordained ministers and he also comes at the end of time he comes at the end of human history we don't know the day or the hour but we know the promise he is coming back and every eye will see him even of those who pierced him, Scripture says. And he will gather all the nations together for the judgment. This is a God who comes. And brothers and sisters, 
His coming is not something that we sit back and passively receive. The readings today make that very clear. The readings are just as much about our need to come to Him as they are about Him coming to us. Look at this first reading, for example. Isaiah is prophesying the coming of the Lord in a, in a new and powerful way, establishing His house. Now you can think of that as the incarnation. You could think of that as the, 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 the church, his, the presence of the kingdom of God in the world. Jesus has established His house here on earth, hasn't He? In the Eucharist, He comes in the Eucharist. He comes, He's there in the tabernacle. He comes in all the sacraments. And in announcing this, Isaiah says, the peoples are going to say, come. In other words, the people saying it to one another. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. And it's climbing a mountain, it's described as in this reading. Well, that's not necessarily very easy, is it? Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain. Come, let us walk in His light. Come, because He has come to us. The coming of the Lord creates an obligation on our part to respond. The coming of the Lord to us necessitates and stimulates our coming to Him. And we do it, first of all, through repentance. And this is where both the first and the second reading make it so clear, and the gospel passage, of course. Notice, first of all, the change that the coming of Christ and our coming to Him requires is instructed to us by Him. He tells us exactly what kind of change we need to make. When this reading talks about His coming, it says here that the people will go to the mountain of the Lord Eagerly, Why? Because they want to be instructed in His ways. Notice what it says, those exact words. That He may instruct us in His ways, not just to know what we are to, are to believe, but that we may, as the reading continues, walk in His paths. So it is a matter of believing the truth, the message He gives, not a message we create on our own, and then letting that message shape our lives, the decisions we make, the things we desire, the plans we carry out, where we go, the policies we build in our nation. We're still in the midst of an election here in the United States, right? The December 6th runoff in the state of Georgia. Well, we approach an election as we approach everything else with this spirit of this reading. Come, let us Go to the house of the Lord that He may instruct us in His ways and we may walk in His paths. One of the ways we walk in His paths is by voting the right way. By voting in the first place. Otherwise, we're not walking at all. We're letting others walk all over us with their godless policies. So from Zion shall go forth what? So this is where the Lord is, is coming and it shall go forth instruction. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Doesn't this fast forward 
to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus had said, it was written that I should suffer, die, rise from the dead. And then repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit came down, filled those apostles with courage, enabled them to preach the word, and then they went forth to all the earth. You know the Jerusalem cross, and many different artistic renderings aren't there of the, of the Christian cross. And uh, the Jerusalem cross is the one that has the cross, and then in each of the four corners that the cross uh, creates, there's another little cross. And that's what this reading is talking about and what the, um, the Gospels proclaim. When Jesus says, beginning with Jerusalem, the word will go forth to all the nations. So the four corners of the earth, represented by those four little crosses, tells us something we have to keep in mind right from the beginning of Advent, that this is for all the nations. Let's again look at this reading. Isaiah says, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. So God takes the initiative. He builds a house for himself. Remember, he promised it to David. David wanted to build a temple. And the Lord said, I'm going to build a house for you. And he was talking about the kingdom of Christ because he said Christ would be a descendant of David. He said, this kingship is never going to pass away. And he establishes the church for every people to come to it. And so then the reading says, the Lord's houses will be established. Highest mountain, by the way. It's not secret. It's not hidden. It's visible. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity. It's thrown wide open for everyone to see, for everyone to hear. It's not secret knowledge. Some religions exist and proclaim that there's some secret knowledge that only a handful of people have and you have to do things in order to get access to it, you know, from the favor of these special elite people. There's no elite group here. Christianity is wide open for everybody. The Lord's mountain shall be established as the highest mountain. Everybody's going to be able to see it. And then it says, all nations will stream toward it. Don't accept any version of Christianity that says it's only for certain people. And don't accept any version of Christianity that fails to proclaim that everybody needs to hear the gospel. Everybody. It's not just that everybody is to worship God the way they want. It's that everybody hears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's coming. And so we have to be ready to proclaim this gospel to everybody. God Almighty becomes human, dies for us, rises from the dead. And we're supposed to be, that's just supposed to be for some human beings? Is it okay with us that some human beings don't know that? That our God has become one of us? That we can become his brothers, his sisters, sons and daughters of the Father. That we can have the very life of God. Is that supposed to be just for some human beings and not for everybody? Are we supposed to believe in that? And then, oh, well, you know, so-and-so seems to be doing pretty well in his or her own religion. We'll just leave them alone. We won't bother proclaiming Christ to them. That's nonsense, brothers and sisters. Accept no gospel that says it's just for some. It's absolute nonsense. And it's an absolute contradiction of everything that we hear, read, and celebrate in the scriptures and in the church's liturgy. This is for everybody. All nations shall come towards it. 
and say, let us go there. Notice there's the eagerness to be instructed by the Lord. Tell us, Lord, what is right. They're climbing a mountain in order to hear this, this message. The other side wants people to think that, oh, well, you know, the gospel is an imposition. It's a restriction. It's a burden. Jesus says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. So this Advent is about the coming of the Lord. And it's just as, about, as much about our coming to him. And it involves repentance. If we are to welcome the Christ who comes, we need to be ready. Because if we are saying yes to sin, if we are embracing a way of life that contradicts the nature of God, and when I say the nature of God, I mean who is God? He is life. So we've got to be pro-life. He is justice. So we've got to be just. He is truth. So we've got to be honest. He is love. So we have to love and forgive. He is all-powerful. Therefore, we have to trust. He is all-knowing. Therefore, we have to have an attitude of learning. Our, what, our moral obligations, our virtues are shaped not by some arbitrary imposition from somebody, but by the very nature of God. It's not even shaped by those who preach the Word of God to us. Deacons, priests, bishops, popes, they don't shape the Word of God. The Word of God is shaped by God Himself. And all the rest of us, well, we're just humble servants who have to accurately represent what that Word already is. And so Paul says, wake up. Because he's coming and he is to transform you into himself. And if you're not ready for that, if you're not ready to accept what he wants you to become, you're going to miss out. You're going to be, you're going to be rejected. Not because he rejects you, but because you've rejected him. So Paul says the day of his coming is close. Now remember, he has already come. We know that. In all the different ways we described before. But he's coming back. And Paul says every day we get closer to that moment when he will return. What do we do in the meantime? Throw off the works of darkness. And Jesus himself in this gospel passage is saying, if you knew when the thief was coming, you would be awake. Well, you don't know when the Lord is coming, so you've got to stay awake all the time. Sleep here represents, brothers and sisters, a moral and spiritual sleep. St. Augustine said, I fear God passing by. I'm afraid I'm going to miss His grace, His nudging, His, his inspirations. I'm afraid I'm going to miss His presence in, in the poor, in the suffering, in the needy, in those I'm called to love, in the unborn. I'm afraid I'm going to miss His message to me uh, that show, uh, I see in the beauty of creation, the power of creation, the intelligence of creation. God is always speaking to us. I'm afraid I'm going to miss His word. St. Augustine says, be afraid of God passing you by. Not because he wants to, but because you're asleep. What does being asleep mean? Well, I'm more concerned about the, the being, the being a, a popular in the eyes of the world than doing the right thing 
that God wants me to do. I'm more concerned about this person rejecting me than about God judging me. I'm more concerned about obtaining this pleasure or this power or this position than about growing in holiness. Don't be asleep to the spiritual growth that you're to undergo every day. If you suffer, if you suffer physical limitations, if you suffer emotional distress, relationship problems, financial burdens, difficulties from other people in your life, persecution of various kinds, don't miss, don't be asleep and miss the opportunity that those sufferings provide to bring you closer to the God on whom you depend. Because if you're suffering, that's an opportunity for Christ to come and to transform you into somebody who trusts Him even more and recognizes that ultimately we have no help but Him. The Scriptures say, St. Paul says here to the Romans, Jesus says to us here in Matthew's Gospel, stay awake, vigilance, always spiritually alert, always spiritually alert to temptation, to deception, to sin. We have to be alert to those things so that we can reject them and so that we can train others to reject them. Remember, the coming of Christ brings instruction from the Lord, as that first reading told us, and it brings the obligation to repent and stay awake. Now, we live in a culture where instead of urging us to be spiritually awake to the truth and to the grace of Christ, it says we have to be woke. There's a big difference between being awake and being woke. Because this nonsense about wokeness, which unfortunately some are trying to impose on our children through our schools, and, un and unfortunately one of our political parties has been totally hijacked by this effort to push wokeness. And for those that don't realize it, it's the Democrat Party. This wokeness destroys the very concept of truth. They don't believe in it. There's no objective truth. There's no moral truth. There's no truth about anything. These woke people in the, in the most radical form of this destructive and, 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 and sinful philosophy, they'll say things like, oh, well, thinking there's a right answer in math class or in science class is racist. You heard me right. They think it's racist. They think it's an imposition of white supremacy to tell our children that one and one is two, not ten. We will not stand for this. No matter how much they try to impose it, we will not stand for this. We will not consent to this nonsense. We will not allow our minds to be bent out of shape by this bending and disfiguring of the truth. And we will certainly not let this woke philosophy shape, bend out of shape and disfigure our system of government, our military, or our school systems where they're trying to indoctrinate our children with this nonsense. And it's not just the rejection of truth. 
It's the rejection of love. It's the imposition of hatred and division. It's the idea that, oh, you're all, all automatically racist. That's, it's built in to yourself. You have to recognize, you have to wake up to realize that you're racist. That's not being awake to what, uh, the way that these readings are talking about. That's giving in to this wokeness, which is absolutely destructive, and which we have got to have not only as they are doing, parents standing up and going to their school systems and saying, we're not going to tolerate this. And counteracting that by the instruction that they themselves give to their children based on the coming of Christ and the Word of God. But we have got to also reject this at every level of our society. The policies that we uh, uh, allow, the people that we vote into office. And we have got to show them that we are not going to allow this to replace. Because here's what they want to do, brothers and sisters. Make no mistake about it. Those who push this kind of philosophy want to replace Christianity with this. They literally want nothing less than for the whole woke, woke agenda to replace Christianity. So in Advent, what do we do? We look to the Lord and we say, you have come already, but we need you to come again and we need you to come more. Isn't it interesting how we pray at the beginning of Advent? O come, O come, Emmanuel. What Emmanuel means, God is with us. So if he's already with us, why are we asking him to come? Because there's always more of him to come. There's always more of him to receive. He's infinite. He has more grace for you, and he has more holiness to transform you, more strength to give you, more virtue to give you, more knowledge to give you, and it'll increase forever. So come, O oh come, Emmanuel. Come, O oh come, you, O oh God, who are already with us. Come to us again. Come to us anew. Open us up more so that we can receive even more of your infinite grace. So we do today. We open up this Advent season. We open up minds and hearts and souls to the purifying action of God's grace, transforming us, helping us cast off works of darkness and to be awake, not woke, but awake in the Spirit of Christ. And in that spirit now we will bless this wreath, which is a beautiful Advent symbol, the circle representing the eternity of God and the candles representing exactly what we've been talking about now, the light that awakens us, the light that is Christ and the light that we are in Christ to spread and transform to the whole, the whole world into a culture and a kingdom of grace and truth, of holiness, of life, of justice, of love, and of peace. So we're going to pray the creed, then we're going to pray the general intercessions, and then we will light and bless this wreath. The purple of Advent, brothers and sisters, finally means this. In the reading from St. Paul, he said, The night is advanced, the day is at hand. The rule of darkness and sin and error is coming to an end with the coming of Christ. What happens when the dark night begins 
to give way to the rising of the sun. The sky changes. But before it becomes bright, sunny, and blue, after it has been black, it becomes purple. The purple color represents the coming of that Son of God. The night is far spent. The day draws near. Let us profess it. Let us live it. Let us begin this season of Advent. Amen. The light to which God has awakened us is the truth of our faith. Let us now profess it together with all believers throughout the world. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now turn to the Lord with all our needs and those of the whole world. For the church throughout the world, that she may vigorously and clearly proclaim that the night is far spent and the day of Christ's coming is near, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. Our prayer. Let us pray for all government officials that they may be true to the light of God, that they may come to the mountain of the Lord and say, Let him instruct us in his ways. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for President Donald Trump and all he continues to do for the greatness of America. We pray for the voters in the state of Georgia that they may be wise in their decisions of this runoff election. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. Hear our prayer. Let us pray for the unborn, that they may be kept safe from the violence of abortion. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for all our children, grandchildren, for all young people and students across this nation, that they may be protected from the imposition of the woke culture in their education. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for the poor and the abandoned, the homeless, the unemployed, the persecuted, the lonely, the marginalized, all those in special need, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray that this Advent wreath may be a sign and symbol of hope to all who are suffering illness, 
especially the lonely, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all who have died may experience the presence, purifying grace, and eternal joy of Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And let us pray. Lord God, your church joyfully awaits the coming of its Savior, who enlightens our hearts and dispels the darkness of ignorance and sin. Pour forth your blessings upon us as we light the candles of this wreath. May their light reflect the splendor of Christ, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.